Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Welcome everybody to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today the topic of the interview is how to use Airbnb to create personal freedom. And I'm talking to somebody who's created a lot of personal freedom. A very interesting story. His name is Chris Black. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. How how's it going? How's the how's life in uh, in Bangkok where you are? Oh, it's great. It's uh, warm every day. The food tastes good. Life is pretty easy. It's pretty good. That's great. That's great. So let's dive right in. Uh, I know uh, you know you currently live in Bangkok, but that's not where you grew up, and uh, that's not where you uh, got involved with uh, with Airbnb. So let's uh, go a little back in time and uh, let's start with uh, when you found out about Airbnb. Yeah, well, I was living in San Francisco in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. And I think I first heard about Airbnb probably about 2008, 2009. Um, and at the time, I was a programmer for an ad agency, a uh, nationwide ad agency. And, you know, I, I had started programming and doing design in, in 1998 in Silicon Valley. So by that time, I had been doing it for quite some time. And um, right about 2010, I was looking for a way to, yeah, I mean, basically create more personal freedom uh, for myself. I had felt like, you know, I, the writing was on the wall, so to speak. Like after 12 years of programming, you know, uh, my life was all about conference calls and deadlines. I was a, you know, like senior manager type person. And I really felt like, you know, I was really good at what I did and I loved what I did, but uh, I felt like I was missing a lot of moments with my friends, with my family, uh, and even for myself. So at, at a certain point, I got a little bit of confidence and, and decided to basically quit my job and start programming for myself in order to have a bit more time. And at the time, like it, it was great. Like I ended up getting a really nice contract that ended up being essentially a salary for me. I took a little bit of a pay cut, but I was able to be wherever I wanted. Um, and I bought a boat in the Caribbean because um, I love fishing. And so I was basically living on the boat. I was fishing during the day and programming at night. And, uh, it was quite a nice little setup. And while I was gone from San Francisco, I was renting out my place. Um, and so that was on, on Airbnb. And so that was my first entree with Airbnb. And at first, I really didn't 
I think understand it for what we understand it for now. You know, it seemed like a good way to like offset my San Francisco rent uh, while I wasn't there, but I didn't see it as a new lifestyle at the time. And sort of two things happened, you know, like uh, one, I found that I had a real taste for the hospitality industry or as I would say, maybe like creating an experience for a guest. I really got into that from uh, an intellectual standpoint and an executional standpoint. On the other hand, I started to see how valuable, you know, one day was, you know, in terms of income, you know. And so while I was in the Caribbean for, you know, months at a time, um, my rent was being paid for in San Francisco. I was making a little bit on top of it, plus supporting some friends that were helping me with the cleaning and, and things like that while I was away. And uh, for me, at the beginning, it was, you know, and, and still is, it was, it was definitely a net positive on the whole experience. And it was the first time I, I started to see that, you know, uh, a daily rental sort of scenario could really help me be more free in my life. So yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to Airbnb. Your story sounds very similar to mine, actually. I quit my job in, in 2010 as well. I didn't know about Airbnb at the time, unfortunately. That happened two years later. But I really like your story, and uh, I think it's a, a pretty awesome idea to buy a boat and go to the Caribbean. Were you nervous at all about this decision? I remember you know, before I quit my job, I was I was pretty uh, nervous. I was a little scared about it because you know, you're giving up pretty much everything you know. And, uh, and, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Yeah, I was definitely nervous. And it was definitely one of the weirder uh, experiences that I felt because for the first, like, like I needed to be somewhere, you know, <laughs> like, like for so long, like, you know, Monday morning, I had to be somewhere, like people were expecting me to be somewhere. And so for the first couple of months, it was just a really strange feeling to not have to be anywhere. Um, and it took me probably about six months to get used to not being driven by demands outside of me and to sort of create my own path. Um, cause it always sounds like really fun, you know, it's like, Oh, I don't have any work, but, um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, even from the time that we're kids, we're used to having something to do that we have to go do. Um, so that was the first time that, you know, I didn't have to be anywhere and it was a bewildering feeling. Um, Pretty soon, though, I, I started to fill my time, and uh, thankfully, I, I, like I said, you know, I kept doing what I love to do, which was to, you know, write code and design. And so there was an anchor point in my life, and I didn't feel like I was just floating. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely scary, and it wasn't until I really like, you know, relo relocated to the Caribbean part time that, you know, I started to feel like in control of my own destiny and, and, you know, moving forward in life. Yeah, I can totally relate to everything you're saying. You know, I always feel like, you know, when I was younger, it's almost like there's a path for you that you're just supposed to follow. It's almost like society, your family, they kind of uh, run your life for you until, yeah. uh, until at some point, you know, you quit your job and suddenly you know, the world just opens up to you and you can choose whatever you want to do. And you're, since you're not used to having sort of that choice, it's a, uh, it's a little overwhelming at first. That's definitely the, the feeling that I got as well. I remember just yeah. waking up the first morning when I didn't have to go to work and 
you know, before if I would have a holiday, I would always plan something to do, right? I would I would book a trip or, or whatever. But now it was like, okay, uh, what am I going to do today? And what am I going to yeah. do this week? And then and this month and the next year. Yeah, it's totally. uh, there's a lot of questions that come up. But uh, I just want to go back, quickly. I want to go back to your boat in the Caribbean because I'm I'm trying to imagine it, and I imagine you were sleeping on the boat, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And so did you? Were you always out on the ocean, or were you mostly in in docked at the harbor, or how does that work? Yeah, well, I I, I bought a boat, and then I had to find a you know what's called a slip. And so I, I found a slip at a harbor. Um, it was in St. Thomas, um, which is a, a U.S. Virgin Island, and uh, so I found a slip that could accommodate my boat, and that was also affordable for me because um, it does cost us like monthly rent in a way. And, um, you know, it had electrical hookups, I had water access, and then there were, you know, showers and bathrooms that were on land, but then my boat also had a shower and bathroom on, on it. And, uh, you know, at first, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, this was like a crazy turn in my life because, you know, I went to the Caribbean to visit a friend and saw how gorgeous it was. And, you know, we went over to St. John, which is another island, and I just thought, you know, I wonder how much a boat is, you know, like, and I'm seeing all these boats and I literally just went to Craigslist and like, and eventually I ended up finding like this broker and I was only there five days. And on the last day I went on a sea trial on the boat that I ended up buying and uh, went back to San Francisco, got my stuff together, pulled some money from different places and then went back to the Caribbean and bought the boat. And so I had never you know, piloted a boat on an open ocean. I had only done like small boats on rivers and, and lakes and things like that. So, you know, it was also just a scary thing. You know, I just dropped a bunch of money on this boat and, you know, they pulled it over to my slip that I had rented. And then I just sat in dock and studied the captain's manual for like a week. <laughs> and then at a certain point I said, okay, I have to, you know, I have to get out. I have to go do it, you know? And I took the boat out and then, you know, came back, had some trouble docking. But, you know, it was one of those things I was just in this sort of exploratory mode. And, and you know, just to reference it back to where I had come from, I felt like there were so many moments and so many opportunities for adventure and, and uh, expanding myself that I had passed because I had another deadline. This client was waiting on this project. You know, I was managing people, this and that. And so I was ready for everything, you know, and uh, yeah, so the boat was, you know, it was the first point of freedom in my life that, you know, was a risky decision. Uh, I, I definitely can see it as that just because I didn't have much experience, but that I just applied myself, believed in myself and everything went well. And after that, like, I felt like I got into a certain flow in my life of trusting myself to make these decisions that didn't really make sense to maybe those around me or someone observing from the outside in, but was aligned with who I felt like I wanted to be and, and risks that I was willing to take. And, uh, so I always started to make these decisions like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? And ever since I quit my job, the worst that could happen is that it could all fail and I could go back and get another job because I'm a great programmer. So, you know, beyond that, then I'm free to do as I will, you know, and uh, to, you know, try in this life to have new experiences that, as you said before, weren't dictated by society or my family.
That's that's awesome. And your boat was it a sailing boat? No, it was a power boat. So it's it a power boat, uh, right? Yeah, it was a thirty foot. You know, I don't like I call it a boat because I'm a little uncomfortable. But it was a thirty foot yacht, um, and it wasn't really made for fishing, but I made it fish. Um, yeah, I bought it from a guy who was trading up boats for his like luxury charters in the Caribbean, and so it was like previously one of their smaller luxury boats that they took people out on around the British Virgin Islands and, and U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. So it had a nice feel to it. The accommodations were nice. The exterior was nice. It had a nice sound system on it. It was nice and comfortable. This goes back to my inexperience with, with the ocean. The only thing is it had one engine, one screw, and one gas tank. And uh, I wanted to go all around the Caribbean on it. And pretty quickly, I realized that that was going to be fairly dangerous without redundant systems. So uh, I stayed a lot just around the US, the U.S. Virgin Islands. But I learned a lot as well. Awesome. So you, you had to learn how to drive the boat. And then uh, did, you, did you stay uh, out in the ocean at night sometimes? Or did you, would you always come back to the, to the harbor? No, yeah. So, yeah, I stayed out. So there's basically a lot of islands right around there and a lot of uninhabited islands and you know a lot of them are national parks uh both in the u.s virgin islands and the british virgin islands and they have you know mooring balls like in the bays uh, the bays are generally calmer and you can pull in and, and tie off to a mooring ball and uh sleep overnight and you pay like a park fee usually like 14 dollars or you know something like that and uh Generally, it's just the most gorgeous scenery, beautiful, clear water. And so, yeah, I had a lot of experiences where I slept overnight in a bay and then went fishing really early the next morning. And, you know, I would sort of like, you know, pack a lunch and make coffee and things before I left and have like cold pressed coffee and some sort of a breakfast. And, you know, it was a really, uh, I don't know, a lot of time to get in touch with myself. And, and I would say like, one of the first times in my life, in my adult life, where I felt a sense of contentedness, where like I needed nothing more. Um, and that was a priceless feeling for me. You know, it was, it was definitely like something that was, uh, I'd never had in, in San Francisco. I never had as a programmer. It was just this sense that everything was okay and I didn't need anything more. So, you know, that is, you know, like I said, it's priceless, I, you know, It's, it's, it's something that came from all of those kind of crazy decisions that ended up being okay. Very cool. And um, did you, what did you do with the fish? Did you sell them or you cook the fish in your kitchen? Or Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I'm fishing out over the continental shelf and uh, it drops down uh, like 20,000 feet. So the fish are quite big. Uh, so we were catching uh, tunas, wahoos, mahi-mahi, uh, barracuda, which we always throw back and kingfish. Um, and they were all massive. Like I've caught fish basically as big as me. Um, and, uh, so there was way too much fish to eat, you know, and if you put it in the freezer or the fridge, it's going to go bad. So I started selling it to the local restaurants and I wasn't the only fisherman doing this, but, uh, I had some friends that were working at restaurants. They hooked me up with their chef. And, uh, I would end up calling in and saying, you know, I have a, like a 30 pound Wahoo or, you know, three or four Mahi Mahi. Um, and then I would come in and, you know, drive them up to the hotel. They would weigh them, pay me in cash. 
So it was a nice way to enjoy my life, you know, while having, you know, it took me actually just, you know, the dollars and cents of it all. It took me six months of going out and paying gas and not catching anything to start to learn where the fish were. And at that point, I started getting paid back and I'd go out. It took me, uh, it cost me $200 a day just in fuel. So that was a lot of times I went fishing and didn't make any money. And then I started to come back with enough fish to basically pay for my gas and give me a little, a little extra cash. Like I made a little profit off of the day. So it wasn't that bad, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. Uh, it's a really cool story. And it's, it's, I mean, it's basically going from one end of the spectrum to the other one, like yeah. sitting, you know, living in San Francisco here with your job and then just being out, out there in the middle of nowhere on the ocean, catching fish. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, one one more question before we'll we'll talk about your uh, your current Airbnb business. How long did you do this for, and were you alone all the time, or did you go fishing with friends, or do you have a girlfriend, or something like that? Yeah, so it's not good to go out on the open ocean by yourself. It's kind of dangerous. <laughs> so, uh, and I learned that the hard way in the first couple of months, where I really didn't know what the sea conditions, you know, how to read those, and and the sea conditions changed on me, and I was by myself and. Obviously, I didn't die, but uh, it was scary, and I learned from it. Um, so after that, like my buddies would go out. Uh, sometimes, though, they weren't available, and so then I kind of went and did safer fishes, or you know, kind of read the. You know, I got better at reading the weather. Essentially, um, at that time, I didn't have a girlfriend at, at the at the beginning. I met a girl down in the Virgin Islands, and and uh, we dated for a while. But I really was kind of you know, I was okay, like being by myself, because basically, I lived on the boat alone. And I read a lot. Uh, I programmed, um, I tried to just get better at what I was doing, I would sit there and practice knots, you know, uh, since I was, you know, in the boating world at that point. And uh, I also managed my Airbnb in, uh, in, in San Francisco at that time. So, you know, I, I, I spent my time doing what I wanted to do. And that was the first time in a long time that you know, that was the first taste of, I guess, personal freedom, which is what we're talking about. Like, it was the first time I had that. But yeah, it's not safe to go out, you know, in the open ocean by yourself 13 miles offshore. Right. So yeah, it's better to have people with you if at all possible. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I imagined. Um, I, I have a friend in Bahamas and he has a boat and uh, I, I visited him a couple of times. And, and one time we they would set out pots and we'd go and check the pots and, and you know, take yeah. the fish out. And then one time this, this helicopter flew over us and he was telling me that it was a warning because you know it was a storm coming and I didn't even see it coming. And suddenly, like literally like 10, 15 minutes later, the ocean was going crazy. It was one of the wildest yeah. boat rides I've ever had. Yeah. And it was, I was, yeah, I was just shocked to see how that, you know, typically the, the water around the Bahamas is like super flat. And yeah. suddenly, like we were in the middle of a storm, yeah, it was, it was yep. crazy. So it was, it was a bit scary, actually. Yep. Anyway, yeah, my first time was uh, when I turned around and saw a wave coming over the bow of my boat, and I was like, and, and before it had been just like dolphins and sunny and you know really gorgeous, and then all of a sudden this wave coming over the top of the boat, and that time I was I was alone. So yeah, I totally uh, relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. 
Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com slash pad. Awesome. Well, we could probably talk about this uh, topic for a few hours, but uh, yeah. but let's let's uh, jump forward in time and let's talk about your current situation. Sure. Yeah. So um, in 2013, I embarked on a trip around the world. It was a, it was a bit accidental at the time. Like I went for a wedding in Kyrgyzstan, um, <laughs> which was crazy. And so I I stopped a few places on the way there, and then. Uh, I ended up on the way back to San Francisco, keeping going, you know, sort of uh, west to east. Uh, I ended up in Thailand. And, um, you know, it was my first time in Thailand. I, I traveled around for a month. Uh, I used Airbnb to find my initial place and became friendly with uh, the hosts. And whenever I would go to another part of Thailand and come back to Bangkok or through Bangkok, I would generally stay with them. Um, and in one of the trips, um, the, the Airbnb host, he was really excited. Like we met up for coffee and he was really excited and said he had found a new building and, uh, the place that he had only had four rooms and he had found a new building that, you know, could house up to 10 more rooms. So he was really excited. And, you know, one of the other skills that I had had, was uh, in business planning, you know, writing business plans and, and doing financial projections and things like that. And uh, a lot of my friends in San Francisco would, would leverage me for that skill. Like, hey, I have this idea. Will you help me work it out? Blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I'm sitting here talking to him and I just fell into my old habit of asking, you know, the questions, you know, like, so how many rooms? What can you charge? What are the seasonalities like? Where are the risks? This and that. And uh, next thing you know, something inside me got excited, you know, and, uh, I just asked him, you know, like it was just another one of these sort of crazy moments. I just said, Hey, would you guys mind having a partner? And the background to that is that, you know, once I quit my job, I was looking for a business, um, to invest in. Uh, I didn't think that I wanted to, you know, still just program for myself and live on the boat forever. Like I wanted to create you know, a business that would provide me with, you know, passive income. And the thing about me is I do love to work and I'm, I'm serious about doing things well. Uh, I really love to be involved and, and I don't mind doing any part of the business. Um, so I knew it would be more work, but I wanted to invest the money that I had and, and grow it essentially. And ultimately I wanted to replace my old programming income with passive income. So when I saw this, I, I, you know, I got a bit excited and, uh, he's, he was like, yeah, I mean, we would be interested to talk about it. And, uh, before I left Thailand, I went and saw the building and met, uh, the landlord and, you know, got really, you know, excited. I flew back to San Francisco. I ran numbers on the plane the whole way there. And when I got back, I, I called my mom and I said, mom, you know, I think I'm, I'm thinking about doing something a little crazy. And, uh, you know, I laid it out for her and, and she was like, you know, I think that's a great idea, son. 
And uh, I think, you know, I mentioned that only because it was pretty crazy. I had only been to Thailand for one month and I just met these people, um, you know, but again, I was in this flow of trusting my gut and everything felt right with it. Um, there were a couple of other things, which is as an American, uh, you know, I know you're European, you guys are used to sort of traveling around and experiencing different languages and cultures just, you know, an hour or two from your house. Um, in America, it's not quite like that. And I didn't have so many, uh, opportunities to live abroad. And so this also kind of hit that where I wanted to learn a new culture, learn a new language, um, and, and grow as a person I felt, you know? So yeah, that's how I ended up here in Bangkok. I mean, I, I, I made the decision, you know, like I said, sort of with my mom's blessing and, um, ended up transferring money for the deposit for the building and coming back on an airplane a couple weeks later and uh, started to build the new project. Yeah. Wow. That's a really cool story. You really, uh, what I like about how you approach things is that, you know, you kind of go with, with your intuition, right? If it feels good, you just jump yeah. into it. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. Because I think, you know, for a lot of people and for me as well, for a long time, you know, I would always have these ideas and I would want to do things, but I, I wouldn't jump on it just because I was worried. I was afraid of what would happen. You know, it's like yeah. you're, you're afraid of people are afraid of the unknown and to jump on these these type of things. There's always a risk, of course, but uh, but usually those are the things that are most rewarding in life. Absolutely. Well, and for me, I mean, it, it literally does come back to like, I just had this really simple arithmetic in my head, like, what is the worst that can happen? With the boat, it was that the boat could like sink and I'd lose a bunch of money or I could die. <laughs> I just was like, okay, well. Well, if that's if the worst thing, happen, then. Uh... <laughs> I mean, but at least I'm looking at it right in the face, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that, that could happen, but it's likely that it won't, you know? Uh, and with, with, you know, comma in, in Bangkok, you know, it was like, well, I could lose a bunch of money and then, yeah, I can always go back to San Francisco and, you know, get back into programming and restore my income, my savings account and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. and, and initially I made the decision that it was, you know, five years and at the time I was 40. So I thought, okay, 40 to 45 and, uh, if things don't work out, I'm still employable. I, you know, my brain hopefully still works and, uh, I'm still skilled and, and, you know, and writing code. So I'll be employable. And that gave me like, you know, some hope because I think sometimes we don't, obviously we don't quit our jobs because we don't want to be broke. We don't want to, you know, we, we want that security. And I've been trying to, and I think I've been successful at creating security for myself but from myself, not depending on, you know, a company to provide that security for me. Right. Um, yeah. And how's it been going? Uh, so you've been using Airbnb to, uh, to fill up your, uh, the rooms in your hotel and you're using different platforms as well. You have a website, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the website is commabangkok.com and it's K-A-M-A bangkok.com. And yeah, I mean, initially, uh, I started out primarily on Airbnb. And, but then I got myself onto obviously all the other, what we call OTAs like booking.com, Expedia, Agoda. Um, you know, why I've always liked Airbnb though, is that, you know, I feel like 
we always get the coolest customers from Airbnb. Um, people that are not just looking at um, the transaction between us as like, you give me some money, I give you a place to stay. Um, they want to connect a bit. Uh, they want to share. They want to hear about the place, the story behind the place. And that makes it ultimately more interesting. You know, I, I feel like that's in a way why Airbnb has become so successful is that, you know, people get more unique experiences essentially. Um, and they're not just, you know, a number in a, in a hotel in a central business district in downtown where all everything's more expensive and you have to order everything. You know, when you stay with Airbnb, it's much more personal. And that's what I enjoyed in San Francisco is, you know, sending people to my favorite cafes and uh, favorite restaurants and, and helping them have a better experience in San Francisco. And it's the same thing I do here in Bangkok, um, you know, helping them navigate the craziness of Bangkok, uh, understand what's going on with the taxis and how to find, you know, good street food and how to get around without getting ripped off. You know, it's, 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 it's a similar, you know, uh, service that I, I try to provide them, but also they're really cool, you know, like they're nice people, you know, almost to a person. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I wonder, because, uh, you know, you you basically run in a hotel, right? Yeah. So you must have uh, a, a lot of experiences with hospitality in general, not just with Airbnb. Um, but what are what are some of uh, the lessons that you've learned throughout your experience with the hotel and what, you know, some things that other Airbnb hosts might be able to learn from? Yeah, well, it actually starts with um, with my old place in San Francisco. And I feel like, you know, because I worked in advertising agencies and branding agencies, we always talk about, you know, the customer experience or the user experience. Um, and that is what creates value in a brand, creates value in the relationship is like what the customer's experience is. Um, so I've always kind of taken that seriously and applied it to these other areas of my life. Uh, with my place in San Francisco and here, you know, I really try to design you know, my guests experience from the moment that we, you know, start interacting to the moment that they arrive at our location, I try to communicate really clearly, uh, make sure that they understand how to get to the place and what to expect once they're there. Um, you know, now I have staff working for me at the hotel. So I train them, you know, how to interact with the customer from the moment that the taxi drives up to drop them off. And that sort of, you know, choreography, as I call it, you know, it sounds a little bit fake, but it's not. It's just making sure that the service points are there goes from the moment of the taxi to the moment that we introduce them to their room. Um, and, you know, I find that our customers, you know, there's a consistency in that that uh, we see a positive effect from. And I feel like our customers really, really like it. You know, you can go back and, you know, how Airbnb, they send you these reminder emails when a customer is going to come. They're like, you know, make sure to stock the fridge, you know, put out the bagels, top off the juice, things like that. It's very similar to that, but I try to do it from, you know, a more experiential standpoint of their entrance into the hotel. So we do welcome drinks. We grab their bags. We don't have bellboys or anything like that. Um, but myself and my employees, we carry their bags. 
Um, it's Thailand, so it's always hot, like every day. So we also uh, deliver our rooms, you know, cold. We leave the air conditioner on so they're not walking into a hot room. Uh, from the way that we set the lighting, you know, the things that we say, the questions that we ask, we really just try to make sure that, you know, we really care for them when they get, when, when they arrive. So I would say that that's, you know, what I do. Focus on the experience. I think it's a, it's a great way to do it. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. initially, they, they focus on their, their house, right? They focus on their apartment. Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, it's understandable because when you're just starting out, you, that's what you have. Right. And so yeah. I think, uh, the stuff that you were talking about is, uh, is something that you typically learn throughout the Airbnb experience. And it's definitely something that I had to learn in the beginning. Uh, and you know, I totally agree with you that, you know, the experience starts, you know, earlier than uh, the moment that the guest checks in. I mean, for me, the experience starts Absolutely. the moment that I received the booking. You know, it's yeah. uh, one of the most important learning lessons for me has been that, you know, the guests, they they want to know about where they're staying. They want to know about you as a host because they're traveling all around the world to stay in an unfamiliar location with a person that they don't know. And so they, so they want to have that, that feed, that comfortable feeling of knowing that that person is going to take care of them. Right. I mean, Absolutely. a lot of people have, have one or two holidays a year. And so you don't want to risk wasting your holiday and having a bad experience. Right. And, and that's why, um, you know, I'm, I focus very much on the communication, uh, before the guest arrives, like I send them Absolutely. and, you know, I, I use, uh, I use a tool now that's called, uh, Aviva IQ which means that as soon as I get the booking, even when I'm asleep, when I'm asleep uh, a, a message automatically goes out to the person that books my place. And it's just a welcome message. And it says that, you know, that I'm on top of things and that I will send them a guidebook as soon as I can to their email. And then, uh, you know, when I wake up, I, uh, I send them the email, uh, with a, with a guidebook that, uh, that I made, that I make through uh, hostfully. And, uh, you know, that's just a great start. That's a great start to the experience. Like the guest immediately gets an answer and the guest, uh, immediately has all the information that they need. And I, I, you know, I, I really think that's, uh, that's really important. And, uh, I've definitely gotten a lot of feedback from my guest, positive feedback regarding Absolutely. that. So what about you? How do you, uh, how do you do the communication? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, especially now here in, in Bangkok, it was not, not the case so much in San Francisco, but here in Bangkok, they start out with a lot of questions. And I want to know, you know, how close we are to the main sites, you know, what are the transportation options? A lot of that is referenced on my Airbnb page, but, you know, people send questions anyways. Um, so there's a lot of communication with that. Um, and then once people make the booking, um, I actually use a different, um, what I call channel manager system because I'm integrated with a lot of the other channels, uh, for bookings and I have communications sort of programmed in. So initially there's a confirmation the next day, there's a welcome email and that welcome email describes, you know, um, things to expect once they're at the airport, you know, the best way to get to our location uh, and just basically it's, it's actually quite a long email, which I've wanted to, uh, you know, shorten or do, you know, different pieces. Um, but currently it's still in its, uh, original form. 
Um, but it just, just tries to orient them to coming to Bangkok and how to find us and what to expect. Um, if some of your listeners have never been to Asia, um, it's quite different <laughs> than the West. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people can get off of the airplane and just be completely overwhelmed. And um, specifically around transportation options, you know, a lot of people will try to take advantage of tourists. So I try to educate them a bit around that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's using tools because, you know, as you know, it sort of sounds like what you're saying is, you know, while you're sleeping, these things are happening and you still want to give good service and, uh, you you have to find the tools, the right tools to use, um, to help you communicate, to keep everything consistent and make sure that everybody starts out at the same page. Right. Are there any other tools that you use for, to manage everything? Um, mainly. So the one that I use is, uh, called Sabi app. Uh, and it's from a channel management company, um, in Hungary and, uh, it's S A B E E A P P and theirs does quite a lot of stuff. Um, so it's the, the main tool that I use. And then, uh, since it's a hotel, I'm also on TripAdvisor and I've got everything, uh, integrated with, uh, with that. Um, the other thing, since I'm a programmer, I do, do use a lot of, um, you know, tracking links so I can see what people are doing. And for that, I use bit.ly. So bit.ly. And, um, I will create, you know, these track links, um, when I'm, you know, say a link for the taxi directions on my website or to read our blog posts about, you know, taxis in Bangkok, things like that, to just see where people are clicking, what they're interested interested in what they're not interested in and then i change those from time to time got it awesome well uh we've been going a little longer than uh, the usual um because we, uh, we <laughs> just had so much to talk about but um you know thank you very much for uh, for sharing your story i uh, i think your story is really awesome and um maybe maybe you can let the listeners know one more time uh, if they if they ever go to bangkok well, where they can find you yeah, so uh, we're easily found on Google by searching for Kama Bangkok. That's K-A-M-A Bangkok. Uh, also, our website is kamabangkok.com. And we can be found on generally most of the major OTAs like Booking.com, Expedia, Hotels.com, Agoda. Um, but we're, you're welcome to uh, contact us directly or contact me directly to receive the best rates. And if you have any questions about Bangkok or traveling to Thailand, I'm happy to help you guys out. Awesome. All right, Chris, thanks very much. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably be in Bangkok at some point, so I'll definitely hit you up. Absolutely. And uh, for all the listeners out there, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, next week, of course, there's another one. So see you then. Bye-bye. Airbnb hosts in the US who want to maximize their profit, pay attention because Everbooked can help you do this. Everbook provides nightly optimized pricing, a comparison tool that shows you where your competition is at, and a market reports tool that gives you the bigger picture and tells you where the best places are to invest. Sign up now for Everbooked and use code GPFYP to get the first three months for free. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.